Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Real World Podcast, a show where a mother and her son uh, speak and trying to connect the gap between boomers and millennials, as well as just issues about the real world. We don't proclaim to be experts in any way at all, but we're just here to talk about how real issues just impact our lives and how we can bridge the gap. Welcome. I am the host today. I am Brian. I still hear the music. That's it, because I, I always leave it on very faintly. Oh. And then it eventually when the song's done, it finishes itself. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, if you never noticed that. I never noticed that. That's okay. You may also hearing our dogs both yes. desperately wanting mm-hmm. my attention. Yes. <laughs> Everyone desperately wants Brian's attention. I wish they could be a little bit more like Zoe. I know, Zoe's so mellow. She's just so mellow. She's just and like, just whatever, like, but she's the actually the destructive one, the problem. She she's the troublemaker. Revan and like, Bella are just both so loving and, like, they're dumb and, like, really <laughs> strong, so they accidentally hurt people, but they're not, like, <laughs> they're not, like, mean. They're very gentle still, when, well, in a sense. Mm. Zoe just, has yeah. these beautiful blue eyes, and she looks at you with this innocent blue, you know, these blue eyes, this innocent face. But we know she's behind everything. Yeah. She's just a little yeah. bit too clever for her own good. She is. She is. Yeah. So, so on that uh, cheerful note, yes. we're talking about Israel and <laughs> Palestine today. <laughs> and I'm Bobby. This is Bobby. Oh, I already said I'm Brian. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, if I'm I did, Bobby. I'm Brian. <laughs> and I'm Bobby. Uh, so today, we are going to be talking about one of the most controversial and difficult issues that has been going on in the world that has pretty much affected everyone's foreign policy to some, to some extent, their political views to some extent. Uh, since 1947, mm-hmm. back whenever Israel declared itself a state again, uh, after World War II in the wake of the Holocaust and rising Zionism. Uh, and so I wasn't sure exactly what you wanted to talk about today. Uh, it sounded like we, we talked very briefly before. You want to talk more about the actual conflict itself? and. Well- I want to talk about what it is. I'm not saying we have to dwell on that. I just want to make sure everybody understands like, sure. what is the Israel-Palestine uh, conflict. Yeah. And kind of like how did it begin, like, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. No, that makes sense. I was going to actually have a little bit more notes focused more on how it affects us as Americans. Well, And I think that's a great way to approach it, but I think we just need to give the background first. Sure. You know, did the, you did why? you want to start a little no. bit of the background? Well, I can if you like. I think you have more notes on it than me. Oh, okay, sure. So the conflict over the territory, um, for um, between the nation state and the population of the Palestinians um, that were displaced for decades was because the Jews didn't have a country and they fled persecution. Easy for me to say persecution in Europe and they wanted to establish their own national homeland, right? They they wanted a place where they could be safe and not get persecuted. Exactly, because they were persecuted everywhere. Uh, I think just to affirm that, uh, I'm pretty sure, I think I've said this before, I'm I'm pretty sure in my experience, anti-Semitism is the only sort of prejudice that's socially acceptable in pretty much every like everyone's social circle pretty much because I've seen liberals do it. I've seen conservatives do it. I've seen Mm. rich people. I've seen poor people. Very sad. Yeah. It's awful. So I guess I also like, there's just some catch words that I had heard of before and I didn't know what they were. And so the first one was called the occupation 
and that's the land captured by Israel during the 1967 war, and that includes the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Gilman Heights, and Gaza. And then despite um, Oslo accords to give some agency to Palestinian authority, Israel maintains control over the territory of about these 500,000 settlers, these 500,000 uh, Palestinians. Yeah. And so um, the term that is used for this displacement of the, dis- of the Palestinians is called Nakba, which is Arabic for catastrophe. And that forced the displacement of Palestinians of 1948. And here it says it's about 700,000, so somewhere between 500 and 700,000. Um, and so the biggest concern is for Israel to recognize Palestinian rights is the way I understand it. So that's kind of like the big issue. And, of course, Palestinian wants their own state, right? So Palestinian wants a state. Israel wants a state, and they want the same area. From what I understood, Palestine did have their own state. Are they not an actual state? Are they just a state in name only then? Well, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. From what I, I mean, understood, they have like a, like if you look Wikipedia, Palestine, it'll show like their current president, leader of their legislatures. Uh, well, so- they have all that, but it still sounds like it's controlled like, um, like, um, like oh, it's a goodness. puppet, a puppet government? No, not a puppet government, but it's controlled. Oh, my word. I can't think of our military. Thank you. But the, the military of the Israelis actually still control the area. So even though it's Palestinian property, mm. the, the Israel, you know, military force, like actually over sees it and so that's the biggest concern it's like they want their own area which is you know i can understand it um and then hamas i'm sure you've heard of hamas yeah that from our from what i remember and understand they are a known terrorist group they are a known terrorist uh, group they're a political palestinian group who has waged war on israel since 1987 okay and then U.S. has a close relationship with Israel. There's about uh, we provide about three billion a year in aid to Israel, and in most recent years, so there was a strained relationship between President Obama and Israel, and and that was because Obama had a difference of opinion on Iran and the settlements on where who can be where. And then, but with uh, President Trump, they had a close relationship. And I think they were more in sync with each other. Um, You know, one of the things that I really didn't know, and I feel like I should have known this, but I didn't know what Zionism was. Oh. Like, I actually thought it was something different than this. But so what Zionism is, it's Israel's national ideology. So it's tracing back to David and Solomon. And it's where a Jew anywhere, an example, a Jew anywhere in the world can become an Israeli citizen. And so a lot of people say that's, that it's racist because other people aren't able to do that. But if you're Jewish anywhere you live in the world, you are able to do that. And I thought this was an interesting, this was from Vox.com. There was a BBC poll taken 
And Israel was the fourth most disliked country in the world after Iran, Pakistan, and North Korea. <laughs> so I think this was 2015 when they did that survey. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really interesting um, survey and results. Like, I would never have guessed yeah. that. I uh, just wouldn't yeah. have. There's, it's, it's so interesting to me too just because a lot of people are against israel because israel essentially made their nation state by force but at the same time it's it's hard to understand how we can't understand a lot of people can't understand them because that was done in the wake of the holocaust mm-hmm. six million jews were just killed by a single country under a single leader right and it's like they they want to be able to watch out for each other and for themselves they're not going to necessarily get that same treatment in another country. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this as far as I've ever seen and ever witnessed, anti-Semitism is like the only social, social, socially acceptable prejudice that I've seen in universally every like political group. Well, I think that that's in sync then with this survey because um, you know what they're saying is most of the world believes that Israel's continued control of the West Bank is an unlawful military occupation. And that settlements violate the Fourth Geneva Convention. And though this view is supported by most legal scholars, Israel and pro-Israel conservatives dispute it. They argue that the West Bank isn't occupied. And even if it were, the Fourth Geneva Convention only prohibits forcible population transfers, not voluntary settlement. So, yeah. I mean, I definitely... Sounds complicated. It's Yeah, it's complicated. Because it's when you get to the nitty-gritty of this, I don't think there's anyone who's innocent. Like, I there think... There never is. Uh, always there's always two to tango. Yeah, there's always guilty people on both sides. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of we talked about is a very... So far, I mean, we're talking about the conflict, is a somewhat of, like, almost more Democrat view. Because it almost holds... Almost, almost with the expectation that if Israel just stopped, they would be safe. Mm-hmm. But if Israel ever retreated, all the people surrounding them that dislike them for seemingly just existing almost, uh, which granted, again, Israel isn't guiltless. They've done messed up things. They've g- killed children and innocent civilians in this crossfire of this war with them. Mm-hmm. And they've done it preemptively as well. Yeah. But at the same time, if they just stopped using their military they'll be surrounded and attacked by all the surrounding forces mm-hmm. that dislike them. Yeah, they're in a... And so um, it's a catch-22. I was going to say, geographically, they're in a very challenging area. I mean, because yeah. they are surrounded by people that really don't like them. And that would be quite intimidating. You know, one of the things that we just kind of lose sight of as the United States was how isolated we are, per se. I mean... I mean, it makes me feel safer. I mean, I know we have Mexico to the south and Canada to the north, but we're pretty friendly with our neighbors. So um, we don't have hostile um, relationships with our, our, um, you know, neighboring countries. So that would be a real challenge. I I think, yeah. And I think uh, even then, even if we did have a less than great relationship because I'm like during the year ago with the news, there were some times where they did things or made it try to almost put like Canada and the U S against each other because of mm-hmm. industrial stuff related to the vaccine sure. and other things. Uh, that was all political though. Yeah. You know, but at the same time it's like, okay, say Canada dislikes us. They don't want to be friends with us anymore. Well, they're not really a threat. 
like they just aren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, Canada, Canadians, I love you, but uh, like the U.S. would, they would never be able to, <laughs> unless they use nuclear weaponry or something, they would never do a, like a significant impact in the U.S. of any kind. Well, you know what's interesting and because I have a number of Canadian friends from the whole "Wind Calls the Heart" thing, and you know, been to Canada numerous times. And I recall during the events of last year, um, I remember, and also at the beginning of COVID when our numbers were horrible. I just remember some of my Canadian friends just making comments. I'm so glad I'm not American and I'm yeah. so glad, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I thought to myself, well, it's not like it's perfect in Canada. And, yeah. and I thought to myself a few months ago, like they still hadn't hardly vaccinated many people. Like we got the first vaccinations um, for COVID and um, there were people I mean, they were like locked down way longer than we were because they couldn't get the vaccines. And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying culturally we're different. Yeah. And so we might look the same because that's one of the things that I noticed when I went to Can- uh, Canada. Now, I was in the Vancouver area. So, I mean, like seriously, it looks just like here. Like it didn't look different to me. I guess I was expecting it to look different. I mean, you know, signage is different. There's... There's a little bit of difference, but very, very little. And so I was kind of expecting something different. And, yeah. and yet it was very, I felt very comfortable there. Let's put it that way. And so I didn't feel unsafe. I didn't feel like, oh, gee, I'm in a yeah. foreign country kind of thing. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. And I think getting back to what I was trying to say was like, so what Canada dislikes us? Because like, I'll, I've talked to the Canadians before. They'll make fun of the U.S. for not having universal health care. Right, and, and and that is definitely something we're not socially liberal enough. You yeah, know? And but and it's like that's basically the difference that I can see from from the post from yeah, and so it's kind of like friends. okay, whatever. So you just think you're a little bit better than us. You're not really a threat. So what's our like our what's our racism towards Canadians if we're prejudiced in some way? It's oh they're too nice. <laughs> like that's the stereotype. <laughs> they are very of nice. Canada to it's Americans. It's a really nice country. Uh, and then I think conversely, like look at Mexico. It's I've heard it's been doing better the last one or two years because they've had a recently pre- a recent president who's not super corrupt. I could be wrong on that. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I know they're still largely run by a lot of cartels and stuff down there. And so it's kind of more like, well, Mexico's not really a threat because they're not centralized. So even if they well, disliked us. And they need us desperately, you know, truly, because we provide so much aid. But we do too. You know, Canada as well, and, you and, know. And so I think going back to you talking about isolationism, I was just saying like America is so safe because even if mm-hmm. we did have enemies north and south of us, they wouldn't be able to do anything to us if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say America is better than the U.S. or Mexico, just in our current states of centralized government. Yeah, I think my, my cur- concern with the current climate, though, is with what just happened in Afghanistan Um, you know, whereby we didn't get everybody out. We didn't, I feel like it was not handled the right way. And it concerns me long-term that other countries aren't going to want to come alongside us because we didn't like support the Afghanis in the way that we should have. Like we should have got them all out first before we kind of ceased, you know, had this 831 deadline. Um, I'm not sure why it was handled the way but you know what i don't have all the answers i don't know all the facts so i don't know all i'm saying is it just seems like our allies might 
think twice about, you know, being our allies if we're not going to be supportive of them. Well, I think Afghan is a little bit of a different situation comparing to Israel because totally. I mean, totally. I don't think the natives ever felt like we were their allies. I'm pretty sure the and natives always saw us as right. invaders. I think you're probably and, right. And so. that's why, like, the native soldiers and stuff yeah. didn't care uh, whenever the Taliban started taking over. From what I understand, yeah. is they're like, okay, well, the white people are finally gone. Now we're finally actually back in power. We could just let these guys take over. And then the few people who were American <laughs> appointed or positioned or whatever so they could have a more democratic process didn't have any option but to surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh so, yeah, I mean, Afghanistan could definitely be handled better. I'm trying to think, though, because I had a train of thought just going, with regards to Israel, like, even that, it, oh, Revan's, Revan, hey, he, he's sniffing all your towels. That's all right, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you have good soap. Uh, but it's it's more like, I think a lot of people don't understand just how much imminent threat Israel is always under. Part of it is their fault, because they are constantly militaristic, but at the same time, a lot of people don't like them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a, a no longer matters who shot first. It's they're just in a precarious situation. There's not a whole lot anyone can do. And so that we need to find a way to create peace without there being any more violence. But it's, well, that's the, yeah. And that's, you know. it almost feels like it's almost near impossible. Well, I mean, that's what we've been trying to do for. Yeah. Not just decades, but hundreds of years, thousands of years. And um. Yeah, I mean, it's just one. I'm one of the things I'm working on is trying not to say um so much, and I just caught myself saying that. So I need to um 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 um. <laughs> I hope I hope this bothers whoever whoever's been counting my ums. Um. Yeah, I did it again. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh no. Oh my gosh. It's just it's 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 terrible trying to break habits. Yeah. That's that's our next episode. It topic. is our next ap- episode. <laughs> We're going to talk about weight loss struggles. So, yeah. Uh, if you, is there anything specific about the conflict itself you wanted to keep talking about? Or do you want to begin to like try and talk a little bit about how it affects us as yeah. Americans? Yeah, why, why don't we go ahead and talk about how it affects us as Americans? So, hey, no, no licking, no licking the roadcaster or the <laughs> microwave. talking SD. to his dog, not me. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> That'd be really disturbing. That would be disturbing. <laughs> and my dog is trying to get in the door. Yeah, but she, so. ever, whenever she's with Revan, she won't stop crying because he's constantly trying to play with her. Yeah. It's a battle we can't win. It's just we can't. So let's just talk. <laughs> uh, so oh, I said, ah, not on that time. Good. <laughs> Go for it, Bri. I'm just uh, trying I'm, to yeah. ignore the dogs. I'm so sorry. It's really hard to ignore the dogs because I it's, love them so much. I can ignore them. I love them too, but I can ignore them. So, uh, I think one of the big points we need to talk about first, or at least reference first that I jotted down, is that regardless of your vo- viewpoint of Israel-Palestine right now, even though Israel kind of took that area by force at the time, and there's been a lot of people immigrated, mm-hmm. uh, Jews from from because of rising Zionism from the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Almost no one that's there alive is currently like emigrated from. Most of the people currently alive and there were born there. Mm. 
they yeah, grew up because there. It's, because they've been it's, a state since 1947. Yeah, so it's been almost, it's been like, 48 and, yeah, almost yeah. 80 years now. Right. And and so one of the things we need to realize, is a lot of people say like hashtag free Palestine or like they talk a lot of things about how we need to like remove Israel's authority from that area, or give it to Palestine or vice versa. We shouldn't be wanting to kick anyone out of their homes. That should be our primary concern with everyone. The average common person over there isn't that concerned about all these big ideas and politics going over their heads. They're worried about what am I going to eat today? Where am I going to get my next paycheck? Am I going to take care of my kids? Am I going to meet a girl or a boy? So on like that. They're going to have daily Just life everyday struggles. everyday life. And we don't want to take that from them. Mm-hmm. That should be our primary concern. And I figured that would be one of the biggest things that we need to think about as Americans is we wouldn't want someone to take that stuff from us. We shouldn't go actively trying to take that from anyone as well. Uh, but following up on that is fear-mongering. I think, I mean, in general, the news media fear-mongers a lot. Uh, but just thinking, (laughs) okay, just thinking about how we handle fear mongering. It is so dangerous. It is just so painful. If you just heard a door open and my dog run out, that is because my mom went to go turn down the stove for a second. She is handling a turkey. So sorry if that made you hungry. Uh, but something I've encountered is just that conservatives will fearmonger over Israel and they'll get so concerned about Israel getting destroyed. And like that is a legitimate fear. We don't want anyone to be destroyed. But vice versa, you, they'll be fearmongering over with Democrats or people who are more liberal and being concerned about Palestine being destroyed. And it's just this difficult line that we have to figure out of how do we not give into this fearmongering? How do we not give in to things that we, I mean, we should be, we should feel fear when there are rational fears, but we can't let fear rule our lives, especially when it comes to making policy decisions. Uh, The dogs can open that door. (laughs) And they did. They did. And now we hear even more dogs because Lucky is barking in the background. Rev, you need to you need to stop, dog. Let leave Belzy alone. She's an innocent girl. So I've just been talking to myself for about a minute about uh, <laughs> how news media can be not just be sensationalized, but specifically about this issue. And mm-hmm. so many conservatives, they'll hear like, "Oh no, Israel's going to be destroyed," oh, and Democrats, "Oh no, Palestine's going to be destroyed," or all these people are going to die. And then that's always like the headline. Mm-hmm. And how do we not let that fear like rule our lives? or our thinking, or our decision-making? Well, for me, my trust is in the Lord, so... Yeah. Um, that's where my mind goes, so... Yeah, I think it's that, and then I think a big part of it for me is... I don't want this to sound apathetic, but I mean, I'm not in control of that situation. I'm not there. I can do my best to help anyone if they need help. I can use my vote with what I think best... But whenever I hear this concerning news article or something on the TV or video or anything like that, I just can't let that sort of anxiety control me. 
Well, I think that's the challenge as Americans where, you know, um, I think we are a force for good generally. Like we want peace in the world and we're willing to go in and sacrifice our own as we have for hundreds of years um, to protect innocent people that are being slaughtered or, yeah, you know. And, and so the challenge is like with the Afghan uh, country with Afghanistan. I mean, many people thought we shouldn't go there because it's like they get to like rule themselves. They get to decide how they want to behave. But the problem was, is that like the Taliban, I mean, they're just downright cruel to women. Like women weren't allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to read. There were so many things. And so that's a big concern right now is what's happening to the Afghani women now that the Taliban is back in control. And so... Again, you don't, I I don't know where there's a good news source for actually knowing what's really going on over there, because no matter which news source you get it from, it's going to be somewhat biased, you know, where we have here, so. You're talking about Afghanistan with news source? You're talking about Israel yeah, like and Syria re- Palestine? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm talking about Afghanistan, so I know we're talking about that area. I mean, we're, you know, our primary topic is about that, but I think that anytime we're talking about this kind of just goes back to what you were saying about you don't want to be apathetic, but you know you don't really have any control over it. But when it comes to so that was kind of what I was using for like Afghanistan and why people become apathetic because it's like you we we have lost so many lives in these wars, and you know the challenge is we don't want their um, lo- the loss of them to be in vain that it was for a purpose. Some of the military people are just so amazing and so um, just, you know, they have blinders on and they just want to be a force for good in the world. And um, so no matter where it is, whether it's Palestine, Israel, um, Afghan, Afghanistan, uh, Iran, I mean, wherever, um, throughout the world, we talked about Mexico, Canada. I mean, but we do have to, to a certain extent, let them live their lives. Yeah, and because uh, I've also heard that a lot as well. We've already spent so much, or we've already had all these soldiers who sacrificed themselves. But that sort of is just the sunk cost fallacy of we've already invested so much, we need to just keep pouring more into it so it's not a loss. But how many more people might we lose if we? Sure. Oh, so if we don't stop. Sure. And that that could be its own difficult thing because I mean, compare Afghanistan to Vietnam. There's a lot of people we lost there because that was a proxy war with Soviet Russia, or Soviet Union, and so many people died. There were so many war crimes committed. So many people were horrified. Had walked away with PTSD. Mm-hmm. We talked about. Like we talk about war and the struggles of war, but it wasn't until Vietnam did soldiers start coming back with serious PTSD. Mm-hmm. And a big part of it was also how we treated those soldiers as well. But I think that, you know, the culture between the mid 40s and the mid 70s or early 70s between World War II and Vietnam it was so different, you know. Sure. It, it, so I think back in the 40s, I mean, people were just happy to be home. Not that PTSD didn't exist, but I think um, 
they weren't, there was no treatment for it. There was no acknowledgement of it. Um, and so it was just such a different time period culturally by the seventies. And really it didn't even happen in the seventies because it was such a hard time for the vets when they came home from Vietnam. It really wasn't until decades later that that acknowledgement of the PTSD and all of the difficulties and challenges that they experienced um, was actually known. Yeah. Well, I mean, historically, you, World War II vets were given very good benefits for the time period whenever they came back, as well as people universally praised soldiers uh, mm-hmm. from uh, World War II. Uh, and so even if they did go through, this is not to minimize anything someone saw or had to go through, but it was a, like a very clear, this is us against evil. Mm. And so even if a soldier went through terrible things, they got to come home knowing, like, we conquered the Nazis. We beat up the Nazis. We punched Hitler in his face. Mm-hmm. He deserved it. This was an evil, satanic man. And that's not an exaggeration for all mm-hmm. the stuff he did. Sure. But when it comes to something like Vietnam or Afghanistan, where it's like there are some evil people on the other side, but there's also some like messed up people on our side. There's not one anyone necessarily 100% in the right. Mm-hmm. Like we Afghanistan, there's so many different awful things. I mean, uh, Vietnam, there's so many different awful things we did. Soldiers came home. Uh, people were, no- they were known for doing awful things like killing babies. And mm-hmm. so the U.S. citizens began to yell, call them baby killers. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhat similar with Afghanistan and other places where we stationed troops in the Middle East where we've been fighting terrorists. And it's all sorts of gray and chaotic. And I feel like eventually there comes a point where it's almost like, when does that become maybe the case for Israel-Palestine? When does the U.S. maybe eventually say we've sunk too much cost? It's just not worth it anymore. Let's just wipe our hands of it. Or should we ever do that? Well, in my opinion, no. I think we always want to stick by Israel. I mean, I I just think about, um, you know, our Lord was a carpenter. Right? He was a Jewish carpenter. And I think from my perspective, I want to stand by that country. So um, $3 billion a year in aid, I don't know what's beyond that, but I feel like they're our strongest ally that we have over there, and I support that. Yeah, they're probably almost definitely the nation that's most loyal to the United States mm-hmm. and vice versa, probably. Yeah, I would think so. I probably the only country that might be closer to the U S is Britain. Mm-hmm. Could be, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a world history buff. I just, I like, not. I like world history. I know you've always liked history. Uh, so going on to sw- switching gears a little bit, Part of the things we talked about earlier was maybe prejudice going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something I've seen a lot since the most recent uptick in violence uh, happened a few couple was it a few months ago, two months ago, was Israel Palestine when it was really in the news cycle for a couple weeks. I'm sorry, I just don't remember. I know the time period, (laughs) which is honestly, from my perspective, I feel like that's all I've heard. I've heard about it my whole life. And I'm 60. Well, there's always a certain time periods where there's like upticks where it just hits the news cycle pretty frequently. No, I understand. I'm just saying I, here's what happens, though, when you talked about being empathetic. 
I don't think I'm empathetic. You mean apathetic is what I said? <laughs> no, I'm saying that I think we tend to, over time, because it's not happening here on our ground, that we tend to lose sight of it. Like, it would be, it's like we become, um, oh, what's the term? I can't think of the term I'm looking for, but, you know, where you just... Like desensitized to it. Apathetic? Well, I know you use apathetic, and maybe that is the proper term, but I'm just saying desensitized to hearing about, like, all the violence and everything because I feel like it happens continuously. I mean, you know, I remember, I don't know, 10 to 20 years ago in that time frame where there was so many bombings and everything that was awful that was going on, and and that definitely seems to have been curbed. For sure, but I could because you were hearing about it almost virtually every day, where they were doing it in a bus or in a restaurant or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was something I've seen a lot, especially online, is that a lot of times in the last few months since that recent news cycle happened a few months ago, whenever there's something anti-Semitic or a hate crime that happens against Jews, a lot of the comments, a lot of the like response is hashtag free Palestine. Interesting. And uh, one of the best ways I've actually heard this conveyed is it's similar to when a hate crime happens to a black person and then the uh, (laughs) Black Lives Matter movement starts speaking up and then someone responds like, oh, hashtag all lives matter. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're not necessarily wrong, Mm -hmm. but you're dismissing what's going on. Mm -hmm. And... It, it comes off as very anti-Semitic because mm-hmm. it's, oh, hey, a Jewish person was shot in a hate crime in Atlanta. Number one response, hashtag free Palestine. Right. Well, how... Is, right. What's the relationship I'm there? I'm trying to remember yeah. the, uh, the, <laughs> the phrase you use is like, how does that work with the tea of price in China? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, I, I get that there's a Jew involved in both groups, but... They're so different situations <laughs> yeah. and circumstances. Yeah. And I yeah. think most of the time it's how do, when we see that kind of outspoken prejudice, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Especially because it feels like most of the time I see that prejudice is from white people. So I feel like it's not like I can't, I can't call them prejudiced. Like mm-hmm. it's my own ethnic group. I can flat out say you're prejudiced, but at the same time that doesn't really necessarily do anything. Yeah. Well, I think it's fine to call them out on it. If you see it that way, there's nothing wrong with telling them, you know what, I can't support what you're saying because I think it's racist. I think it's good to stand up for other people when you believe that what they're saying is wrong. Yeah, but there's also the difficulty of, like, how do we educate people to realize that not every single person who is a Jewish person identifies with the ethnic or national state of Israel. Like you're talking about how it's a lot easier for people who are of Jewish heritage to become uh, citizens. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's great because every group of people should have some sort of ethnic state where they won't be persecuted for being amongst their own people. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I don't believe in racism, obviously. (laughs) 
sucks. So what do we do in America where we're all different races? We're like a melting pot. I, I think that's why the rest of the world says that how why we're so racist. And it's just because we're the only real melting pot. So they don't understand what it's like to be an actual melting pot. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks I, they about They really how, don't. Yeah. They really don't. That's why I've, I've seen... Uh, I've talked to some Europeans before because I play D and D with some Europeans sometimes, mm. and they I've heard them talk about how they don't understand how America be, could be so racist. But it's like, have you ever met a black person? No. Well, how do you know you're not racist then? <laughs> not to say that they would dislike or they would mm-hmm. wouldn't like, but it's if you don't an, an encounter an entire people group, how would you know you're not biased towards them or not? Mm. If all you ever see them on is TV or Netflix or whatever, or hear them on a podcast like. If you're mm-hmm. European and you listen to Jared a few months back, if that's your only encounter with black people, mm-hmm. how do you know you're biased or not? Yeah. No, good point. Uh, I think one other quick little thing I wanted to talk about was how this specifically rates, yeah, rates relates to us as Christians. Okay. I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of the times – when I ever hear any conservative, specifically conservative Christian discussion on Israel, Palestine, or specifically the state of Israel, a lot of times there is a very Zionistic support, and it's very outspoken support, and I think that's okay. But I feel like it is not because of their compassion for the people of God or for uh, for Jews. It is because of their eschatological views or their views of the end times. They believe Israel needs to be a state again in order for the end times to happen, and they want the end times to happen, so then they support Israel mm-hmm. as a state. They don't actually care about Israel as a people group. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I feel like I care about them as a people group, and I don't think I'm just looking at end times and because of that expectation. Okay. You know, I mean... Do you feel like you've not really encountered that too much then? No, I really oh. haven't. I feel like I've encountered that a ton, actually. Mm. Maybe that's because I went to Woodcrest. Maybe it's just a little bit yeah. more rampant at Woodcrest. Right, and in seminary. And, and so, I mean, your education and everything would lead you to maybe having more discussions with those kinds of topics. But honestly, I have just not had that. I mean, I've certainly, I mean, I have a couple Jewish friends. I mean, and I say a couple because that's all that I know. Um, and again, through the show that I've met, and they're lovely people, and... um. You know, I I know that it's so, so hurtful to them with all the anti-Semitism. And it's like, I just don't, I just don't personally understand the anti-Semitism. I just don't. I I don't understand it. Like, yeah, I I guess because I am pro-Israel, you know, and so that kind of falls into what you were just saying. But to me, it's not because of the end times, but because of the people. It's like, you know, they've been... Um, they've had so many challenges from the beginning. Yeah, I don't think there has ever been a really a group of people who's who's a, who has ever experienced prejudice quite like yeah, Israel. Exactly, I it's agree. just yeah, systemic throughout history. Yeah, from four thousand years ago to now. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so. Keep going, going back a little bit. Whenever we hear people, I guess this is not something you've really experienced. I had actually a good amount of talking points on this, actually. Mm. Uh, just because this is something experienced. Do you want me to just go on a little brief tangent? Then, sure, go ahead. So, I I certainly do it. Yeah, and then you and then you can <laughs> and then you can comment a, as you please. Sure. 
so one of the questions I had actually uh, written down was how do we handle people who go on tangents uh, on or voting on policy because of their beliefs about the end times rather than their compassion or their feelings towards people or their love of man. So it's they're, they're voting based on some sort of eschatological view rather than something where they actually care about their fellow man. Well, but and that, I think that, that <laughs> that's a question for everybody about everything because it's like, what is God? He tells us, Jesus gave us two commandments, love him and love others. And so we have to identify what does loving others look like, right? Is it just the concern for the end times or is it the here and now? I believe it's the here and now. I mean, I, I believe it's both, but I mean, because, you know, from as a Christian, we want people to go to heaven and, uh, you know, our belief is that you need to have a relationship with the Lord, you need to accept him and you need to walk with him each and every day. Um, so I did it again, um, but... It's okay. I'm pretty sure we're just going to annoy Dad a lot with our ohms. <laughs> um, but <laughs> oh, it's really hard to break that habit. It's, <clears throat> I kind of lost my train of thought, but the point is, because I lost my train of thought, I don't know what the point is. I'm but, sorry. But, um, because I was thinking about just like everyday life, kind of like we have to de- decide how that looks in terms of what does loving others mean. I mean, I think that does concern end times and that we want them to go to heaven, like I was just saying. But it also concerns the here and now, whereby if they have need food, if they need clothes, if they need, have like daily needs, yes. we need to come alongside them and provide that. Yeah, I, I think that's totally true. And going back to a little bit of one of the things I was going to say was that a big part of it is also we ultimately don't know all the details of the end times either. God may lead you to a belief, and if God leads you to something and he, God is telling you to vote a certain way or something, do your best to follow God and Absolutely. how the Spirit's leading you. Yeah. At the same time, uh, we need to recognize the deep cultural bias that we may have against people especially if they're Middle Eastern or if they're Jewish. Uh, we'll, as Americans, have a deep cultural bias against both of those people groups. We need to do our best to be loving as Christians and to be caring for people as Christians. Absolutely. Uh, we can't just conform to other people, uh, just letting other people decide our opinions for us. I think the whole word conform is a big challenge, you know, with yeah. with America, because as we bring these cultures into this country, you know, um, it, it, it's just a real challenge to identify where do their rights end and ours begin when the cultures are so different, um, like Sharia law. And, and people from the Middle East, whereas they want that to still apply for their families, but it's against our laws in our country. And so I think there's a fine line there um, between, you know, what part of the law of the Sharia law can be upheld and what shouldn't be upheld. What is a violation of our constitution and rights? Yeah, like... Uh, a lot of them would want either women, either in burqas or hijabs. Right. Well, the mercy killings. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you've I've read about him where like the father would kill the daughter who was maybe sleeping around or whatever, and it's like okay, but that goes against our laws. You can't just murder somebody, even if they're your family member. Yeah, I guess only if you're the mother of a baby in your womb that you can. <laughs> Sorry. Had to, to you don't need to apologize that. to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree like, that murder is bad. Murder is bad. It's it's interesting. Um, speaking of that, the new Texas law that just happened within the last week or two. I know this is off on a tangent, but speaking of that, I mean, um, a lot of the left has come unglued because they want people in Texas to be able to kill their babies. So I just it's one of those things that I don't think I could ever possibly understand. Like. Yeah. How could you even fathom that? Like, how, how would you go there? I think the funniest thing, have you seen this big push for all women in Texas to stop sleeping with men? No. That's been the funniest thing. I'm like, yeah, you go, liberals. You do that. Like, fantastic. That would be great. <laughs> like, I'm in 100% support. And that's not to be a joke of, ha-ha, liberals won't reproduce. That's not that kind of messed up joke. I don't like jokes like that. But it's more like, Yes, that is the morally good thing. Yeah. Stop sleeping with strangers. There you go. Yeah, that <laughs> I, is I've a good se- thing. I've, I've seen like, it's like, okay, all women, if we can't get abortions, then we need to uh, delete all our hookup apps. We need to stop sending news. We need to yes, stop doing- Yes, I support that. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do support that. I yes. support sexually modest behavior that should be only sexual behavior should be a man and her uh, I almost said, and her, her husband. I mean, a man <laughs> and his wife. Right. A man and her husband doesn't make sense. That are married. Uh, yes. Yeah. And the, yeah, they're married. A man and a woman that are married, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've kind of gotten way off topic we, we here. Have. So I don't know if you want to wrap it up with what um, verses you... Yeah, I was I was going to mention three quick uh, verses. Okay. Well, the, the first one isn't really a verse, but it's going back to the end times. If you're like me and you've encountered a lot of stuff like that, some some of it's even maybe vinly failed Christian anti-Semitism, which I could talk about in length. Uh, there's no necessarily no need right now. Uh, maybe we could talk about that later uh, as we talk about end times and wholeness. But the big point of all end times scripture is always to encourage us to not get complacent in our faith and to not get complacent about reaching out to others. So if you're voting with your end times prophecies in mind about Israel and everything, remember that the ultimate point of those scriptures are pointing us to reaching out to saving others. So our vote, some people don't like the idea, as far as I'm concerned, our vote should be done with how can we reach people more with Jesus. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, and then just a couple verses that I have. I have two different ones. One is Genesis 12, 2 through 3. I'm sure everyone who's listening probably has heard this at some point. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth will be, and sorry, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that is Yahweh to Abraham mm-hmm. at the beginning of his covenant. Made me want to sing, Father Abraham. <laughs> had many sons. And that's just. Many sons had Father <laughs> Abraham. Abraham. Okay. I'm one of them. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> taking us way back. That's okay. That also gave, that school. makes me want to go on a side tangent. That I'll maybe I'll maybe we'll have that be our cold open to the next episode. Uh, <laughs> but that's just to say that there's so much theology about who is God's family now. Are we the spiritual family? So do we have that blessing? Do Jews still have that blessing? And 
We don't know 100% exactly where that line is, but they are still descendants of Abraham, and they're still maybe not our brothers in Christ and our sisters in Christ, but they're still children of Yahweh. Absolutely. And we should do our best to help lead them to Christ in a respectful, loving, compassionate way. Sure. Uh, And just in a way, it's like maybe not brothers, sisters, maybe they're more like cousins. If that maybe that is a bit of an odd perspective. Yeah. So they're still, whether we like it or not, I family. I totally agree. And we should treat them like family to some extent. And that's yeah. not to say we should show favoritism towards other people, especially if they're wronging others. But I think God's blessing still is upheld here. I'll mm-hmm. bless those who bless you and curse those who curse mm-hmm. you. And we Definitely. should do our best to bless everyone, but we should also make sure we still bless Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There you go. And I didn't quote Matthew. I quoted Leviticus. It's Leviticus wow. nineteen eighteen, which is interesting because that, in that Leviticus context, God is telling Israel to do that to each other, to their fellow countrymen specifically. Mm. It actually specifies the word countrymen. Mm. So it's saying Jews be nice to each other. Like he has to remind them like, okay, be good friends. Well, and then on. we do have to be nice to each other and we do have to be reminded <laughs> to be nice to each other. We, we Some do. people make it difficult. But uh, the reason I wanted to, to bring that up is because specifically in Luke, when Jesus brings this up, when the guy, when the uh, law, the, the Pharisee, the lawman, I don't say lawman, that makes it sound like he's a policeman. Mm. Uh, but when the expert in the law asks, asks him, who is my neighbor? Then he goes into the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he mm. specifically chooses the neighbor as someone who isn't Jewish, who isn't Israeli. Mm-hmm. And that's just to say that we can't forget everyone as our neighbor. We can't forget the spirit of God's commandments as well. Mm-hmm. We should, if you're going at looking at Genesis 12, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. We should do our best just to bless everyone. Absolutely. Israel, Palestine, whatever we can do to mm-hmm. bridge a gap, make peace. Let those people who have normal lives be able to keep having normal lives, not worry, have to worry, have to, have to worry about being bombed a week from now or something. Mm-hmm. So that was all versus all I had. Okay. Did you have any final thoughts? Mm, not really. I just, um, using that word again. I'm sorry. I keep drawing attention to myself with that. It <laughs> bugs me. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's just a complex relationship uh, yeah. that exists over there and it's kind of like what you said before i mean to a certain extent we need to kind of let them do their thing and we need to love all of them everyone yes. and we need to bless everyone now that being said we're obviously not going to support people who are murdering others and who are violent evil people yeah so we do have to make some decisions and uh distinctions between countries and people so i mean that just goes along with it and yeah. so we have to just do our very best in order uh to do that problem is as a, as a country in the u.s our country there's not agreement on how it should be handled and and that like i i brought up president obama versus president trump their ideologies are different they had very differences of uh, opinion on how yeah. The Israel-Palestine um, conflict should be handled. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well said. So for mm-hmm. final thoughts, uh, well, not final thoughts, final comments, I would just say thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, this has been a more, for even though it's a really pretty heavy topic, 
it's been a little bit more of a relaxed conversation since mm. we're definitely not experts in this topic. Yeah, we just had, I mean, I personally just had to do some research because, you know, I have, to, I have to say for something like this, a topic like that, it's just so heavy that like, I am pretty bad about like pushing that aside. I don't even like want to know, you know, because it is out of sight, out of mind kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, you know, again, what does the Lord tell us um, that his mercies are new every morning and to not worry about tomorrow because there's enough worry for today. Yeah. And so I tend to not necessarily maybe spend as much time thinking about it as, as I should. Uh, and and because of that. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually um, very similar to you in that regard. Wow, a millennial and a boomer that agree? Where? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think when it comes to me, I just want to, be out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to think about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I maybe, think it's easy because of what we said before. It's yeah. like because they're far away across mm-hmm. the ocean. So we don't really have to deal with it firsthand. I mean, that's why when 9-11 happened, it was so just earth shattering for the United States. You know, just like Pearl Harbor, yeah. you know, when it's on our soil. So, yeah. You know, it's just so different. And, and it's kind of like people come out of the woodwork wanting to, um, I think about Tillman, the football player who left the NFL to go fight in the war um, after 9-11. I, don't, he, I didn't know that. Yeah. He, he was in the NFL. He was with, I think, the Cardinals. And he got killed, unfortunately. Oh. And a lot of people felt like, why did you leave the NFL to, to go fight the war? Because he felt strongly about defending his country. And this was after 9-11. Yeah. So... Well, With that being said, kind of a heavy topic. Yep. Next next topic, we're going to talk about um, weight loss struggles, which, you know, can personally be challenging, but hopefully it'll be a little bit more uh, lighter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. If you guys ever have any questions, please feel free to email us at realworldpod at gmail.com. If you listen to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave us a review or a like, follow. Whatever you can do, we'd greatly appreciate any and all feedback. With that, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a great day.